Okay, wait. Uh, well, let's try this again. My mic was muted. <laughs> I, I, of course... <laughs> I, I've never done that, of course. Never, ever. Okay, so let's try this again. Welcome, everyone, to this week's Cat Reviewer podcast. And, uh, yeah. No guest today, but some very nice topics. So, well, we, we can start with uh, Napoli. That's probably on everybody's yeah, this mind. Is, this is the, the latest and greatest. Uh, Italian large cruiser with 254mm guns, so fairly hefty main battery, but they don't, they don't necessarily, like you compare them to, say, Alaska's guns, and it doesn't really feel like they're in the same class, necessarily. But its main gimmick is the secondaries. It's got SOP secondaries and quite, quite a long range for uh, a cruiser. Oh yeah, and it, it obviously comes with torpedoes, and um, it's, yeah, it's I think it's relatively tanky for a cruiser, right? Yeah, the armor is—it's uh, not bad. It's only a twenty-five mil bow, but it's got a sixty mil icebreaker, and the belt is two twenty. So as long as you're angling and catching things on the belt, it's relatively good. And of course, if you're you're helped with with having the uh, the fuel smoke as well. Because, oh yeah. Uh, obviously, sometimes you just need that get out of jail free card. Although it being a large caliber cruiser, you have to be uh, aware that if you're doing it really close to other people and you've just fired, you're still going to be spotted. Yeah, uh, but your secondaries. Eight point seven kilometers. Your secondaries still work, right? And they don't reveal oh, you, yeah. so you can just be a, a walking secondary smoke screen. You've got four triple 152-mil guns, so two four and two aft, and then each side has uh, three of those dinky-looking uh, little 90-mil uh, mounts, the very distinctive ones. Uh, but I think because they're all SAP, uh, I mean, the 90-mil mounts have 26 millimeters of penetration. And 42 mil on the uh, the bigger ones. The only downside to them is really that uh, I think the best range you can get is 9.2 kilometers, which is, you know, that's good for a cruiser, but it, it's not yeah. amazing. And also, you don't have a huge broadside, and they're not super duper fast firing. The the 90 mils actually do fire relatively quickly, but there aren't as many. Um, of course, there aren't as many secondary focused cruiser captain skills so that's the other kind of downside oh, yeah. of having a secondary cruiser these days so it's a big gimmicky but it does still it does still work as a heavy cruiser but you you, you want to be playing it more for the fact that it's a bit gimmicky because uh, otherwise you'd probably be better off taking the venezia for the most part but yeah i think I it's did. a lot sneakier than venezia i don't actually know the uh, consumer itself both uh Venezia has oh, that's a rubbish captain. That sounds my Sansonetti has the heavy SAP, so actually he is is that's more. Uh, it'll be twelve point something. Uh, with Venezia Napoli, you can get down to ten point three, which is pretty good for a a large tier ten cruiser. I mean, it definitely helps with the whole idea of trying to get closer. The problem, of course, is obviously that 
Yeah, I mean, you still, like, even in a battleship, you can't just push in. You'll need to defend that situation. So, you're always in this weird thing where, where, like, brawling would be such a fun and cool feature, but it it happens not every game, right? Yeah. So, oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely... Um... Like the temptation is is to rush in and try and make things happen, and that's probably not going to go well most of the time. <laughs> so you have to just be on the lookout for the correct circumstances when you're playing ships of this nature that have some kind of gimmick to them or some kind of speciality. And it can be a bit frustrating if you don't get given those situations to work with. So that's definitely something we, something to be aware of when you're playing the uh, the Napoli. Uh, probably the, the the main notable thing about it is that it's the second tier ten that we've had available. Oh yes, as a a viable premium, and a very the most controversial thing about it as well. Yeah, and it's a very expensive. I mean, it's tier ten. Mm. Right? What, what do they charge for it? Like a hundred and eight or something? I saw, I think, a screenshot earlier with hundred and ninety dollars. Not sure how much they're charging euros, but. Yeah, I can just check the store just now. I mean, it'll be it's... depending on the packages, I suppose. But yeah, it's 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 a bit of a I don't know, whale bait. Would you call it whale bait? <laughs> uh, just a, a cash grab, I think. It is a very good. Yeah, at least you can't point at it and say, "Oh my god, that's so overpowered." Like just the I base mean... ship is. Oh wow, that's almost a hundred pounds. Whatever that would be in euros. Probably slightly more. That's that's okay. That's really expensive. <laughs> okay, that's definitely whale bait. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's like I mean, at, at this point, right? You could probably buy like two, three full price games for the price of one ship, and that's uh, that's. Uh, I don't know. If, I feel like this is in this is slightly concerning, but then again, you can get it for code. So. Yes, if you happen to have just accumulated a bunch through, I don't know, buying bits and pieces when it's on sale or using coupons or whatever, you know, you might have accumulated enough to just say, oh, yeah, sure, I'll buy that. I will say, uh, I don't, if they're going for that whole um, targeting people that want to collect every ship thing, I don't, I don't think people are, like, this is an okay ship, but I wouldn't say it's a, a blast to play. I, I wouldn't say most people are missing out not having this ship, to be honest. Well, um, then again, like with the, the target, like buys just, it's the only tier 10 that you can buy for real money currently. I mean, they have mm. the Yamato in the past. So the question is how many people are they targeting that are just looking to skip because maybe they are new, maybe they think like, ah, oh, I, I need to get into it. I mean, it, we are not like, uh, World of Warship is not like an MMO or something, but maybe they mm-hmm. feel like, I don't know, they, they want to skip the grinding process. They just want to immediately jump into tier 10 because they think that's where the battle is. I don't know. I wonder if they're trying to target people like this, which is obviously what the community yeah. exactly doesn't want because we don't want new players immediately at tier 10. I mean, yeah, that's always been, that was certainly for the long time, always the argument against, and like, in World of Tanks, that was that was one of the, the the big arguments against ever having anything higher than than tier eight. And there was a, a long time there was uh, many many people suggesting that that people should you know have a tech tree tier eight before they'd be allowed to buy uh, 
uh, uh, a premium tier rate. And I think probably people have suggested that in the past for World of Warships as well. But realistically, no company would ever restrict their sales that way. Yeah, but the, well, I mean, at least they always tended to limit it to tier eight. I mean, we've flown yeah. since past the fifth tier nines, and now they are like it's it's just basically a trend, right? At you, at first it was like, yeah, okay, we're not selling anything higher than tier eight. Then it started with tier nines with uh, other resources like free experience, and you're like, yeah, well, you still need to play the game to get a free experience somehow, right? And then it mm-hmm. started with shop stuff like a. Bloon ships for tier 9, it's not really that uncommon these days. And now we are slowly encroaching on tier 10. So I, I believe this is going to be a trend, right? In a year from now, we'll have regular tier 10s appearing in the premium shop. Possibly, yeah. I mean, you could see the ARP. And that, I mean, that was a, obviously a collaboration, an existing ship in the game. Um, you could see that as maybe being them testing the waters, so to speak. And... Um, Whatever their, their sales data showed them, they were comfortable then putting in this for nearly £100. But I would say it's definitely not like the, the ARP Yamato. It's a Yamato. You've got big smash people in the face guns. You don't necessarily need to be a, a great player to at least do something with those guns. But I think Napoli is, is a much harder ship to use. So if people are thinking that, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to buy my way to tier 10, skip all this grinding, get straight to the tier 10 gameplay, and they get the Napoli, they're probably going to be disappointed for the most part. So it's, it's, it's definitely a trickier ship to play. At least they can't talk teammates anymore if that's the first ship there. True. It would be interesting to... I mean, we kind of got teased a bit with um, when, when they were giving their justification of why they were going to sell a, a tier 10 premium again was that that the numbers of people that had bought an ARP Yamato were actually quite small. So based on their sales data that that, that they didn't think this was going to have a disproportionate impact on the game. So it's this is definitely a ship that's it, it doesn't feel like it's aimed at, at having a wide scale impact. So it's kind of niche both in terms of its its play style but also in terms of, of how many they want to see in the game. Although that said, you know, I have I have seen a bunch of them already at, at tier ten. So clearly, some people somewhere are buying them, and it'll be interesting to see if we get any indicator out of wargaming as to how well it's done sales wise. I mean, I guess we will see how many more they sell and how quickly, because the, the better it works, the the more often they're probably gonna use it. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, my, know, I... my big fear is they somehow, I say fear, I say this a bit facetiously, but they'll somehow find a way to tie tier 10 premiums exclusively into loot boxes. <laughs> they want to do that. That's what they want to do with everything these days. It's just uh... everything must somehow be tied in with loot boxes. You know, like you mean, like like in most games, there is just a, a monthly loot box, and there is the grand prize, is the tier ten ship, and there is a bunch of like weaker prizes, and so, and you have like I don't know, like a one percent chance or even lower can, to, to get the grand prize. I, I, I don't, I don't want to be cynical, but I totally could see them going, "Hey, we're we're gonna give you, you know, a super a monthly subscription for you know, x number of super <laughs> containers a month, kind of thing." Uh. I shouldn't give them ideas. I really shouldn't. 
So, yeah, I mean, my feeling is that it's not a bad ship, but it's 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 way overpriced. And I mean, I, it's it's definitely not a ship with mass appeal. But that's my I haven't it anyway. played it yet. I've seen some other people uh, play it so far, and it's definitely something I'm interested in trying out, simply because I love second race a lot. Mm-hmm. But from what I've seen so far, yeah, it doesn't seem like it's it's gonna like inventory lobby or powered or anything. It might just be a decent, fun, niche little ship. And the main problem with going full secondaries is you have to take the secondary battery uh, modification and to get a bit of extra range and uh, a bit better dispersion. But that, of course, means you can't take aiming systems mod, which is if you don't have it, and I have tried a bit both ways, if you don't have the aiming systems mod, the main battery is uh it doesn't feel great we'll put it that way it it it, it doesn't quite feel as bad as the Italian battleship dispersion but it, it it definitely impacts your your overall performance for uh what is it without it you get like eight kilometers with it you get like 9.2 so you 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 know for the best possible range on yeah. the secondaries it's still not that great and it does come at a fairly significant cost to your main battery performance and there I mean, really is only the one. I'm just checking now, but I think there really is only the one fourth level skill that affects secondaries. In fact, the only third level skill that really affects secondaries is, is adrenaline rush. I think. Yeah, they they really got it cruiser from like the secondary futures. Yeah. So yeah, it's a bit. It's a bit of a. A weird one to like after after the the confinement almost of all the secondary skills to the uh, the battleship tree. So then go here's a secondary cruiser <laughs> when you can't really spec into it that well, and it's not like it gets um, like if it was sort of Massachusetts, um, Georgia, and Ohio level of of secondary accuracy just out of the box, then maybe, but it doesn't have that. I mean, I'm kind of looking forward to trying it out, but I mean, like I said, the, the, the most, I guess, interesting or controversial part about this ship is really just how it's sold, right? If they just made it a regular coal ship, people would have probably been like, yeah, mm. a nice addition, right? And now people are like just face palming and asking themselves just why. I do. I do have to wonder. Looking at anyone the in-game, obviously, I and 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 uh, and you would have been given this. Well, were given this by Wargaming, but there's there's no way in hell I would ever, 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 ever pay a hundred pounds for a premium in World Warships. That just would never happen. Yeah, I mean, seriously, like who who pays like the price for two? Basically, full price AAA titles yeah. for a ship in. <laughs> well, okay, there's some people who might, but it it seems like they've gone a bit over. The They're just the trying Italian to test ship the as well. <laughs> I mean, it's not that I have anything against Italian ships. In fact, I I think the Italian ships are some of the best looking ships in the game and in real life as well, which is probably very unpatriotic of me to say that, but. Um, yeah, there are lines that surely would have more appeal to people, and it maybe just feels like they picked this one because it maybe happened to be the next tier 10 that they had coming through the modelling pipeline, rather than 
any other like appeal factor. So I don't, I don't really know. It doesn't feel like this was a carefully chosen choice for being the the next tier ten premium after the after the Yamato. Because you know Yamato, iconic ship. I mean, here you can buy a Yamato and skip right to tier ten, and you know exactly what you're getting. Whereas this is obviously a paper design on a, a tree that is relatively new and probably not all that many people play through. It just I don't know. It feels like an odd choice to me in a lot of ways. I mean, but let's be honest, like the, the Yamato they sold was the Ab Yamato. I feel like people who are looking for an iconic ship wouldn't go for an anime. Yeah, yeah, but I mean if you can overlook the name, you can basically toggle the camo off. Yeah, but then like you can't the mount another camo, right? Um, you can. Well, I mean, you can use the import filter to uh, okay. make it just look like the regular perma camo, which is actually what I do with some ships myself these days. So yeah. So yeah, personally, I, I I don't know how you you feel about the notion of selling tier ten premiums overall, but. I'm kind of like at this price point. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I'm kind of. Uh, I, I feel like it's taking the whittle a bit, shall we say? I mean, I feel like uh, is it really necessary? So, Wargaming tries to argue if it won't have that big of an impact. But I mean, if it's if it wouldn't have and like if it wouldn't make enough money, they wouldn't bother, right? So they are expecting it to sell well enough for them to be worthwhile. To sell it, and they just admit they they sign off like it is something that Wargaming tries. I feel like a lot, right? If something is a negative impact on the game, they try to argue. Yeah, but if it statistically doesn't happen that often, then it's not a problem, right? They are like, mm-hmm. okay, it, it's like you know, uh, if you fall down the stairs, it doesn't matter because most people didn't, right? So yeah, okay, maybe you broke your leg, but. That's fine, because if not enough people break their legs, it's not a concern. Sort of a way, right? It doesn't matter how much... If we do uh, harm, but we do it just a very little bit of harm, then it's it's fine. I would think economically they would cer- certainly be expecting to sell more of these than the, the Yamato, because the Yamato, they already have that model. It was just a matter of reskinning it. Whereas this is a whole new ship that's come through the pipeline, and so therefore has cost more to produce. So they're obviously expecting more back. Yeah, but like I mean, just just offering like I mean, on, on the one hand, in a, in a game like this, you just need to keep the people playing because they will start spending money on something, right? And you can sell them like um, a premium time or whatever, or maybe flags or whatever they need, right? So you just need to keep content that they're interested in and by adding like a ship for coal, people grind the coal, people like doing the dailies for that and they might eventually spend money on things. So it's it's not like you have to directly sell a ship to make money. If you just produce content and keep the people in the game, mm-hmm. they are just going to spend money. And also, of course, it's always worth bearing in mind in these discussions of wargaming or any free-to-play company selling things is that the people that don't ever pay anything or rarely pay anything are still really important in the equation as well because the people that do pay need people to play against. So, oh, yeah. you know, the whole ecosystem matters really. But, yeah. 
Anyway, well, I mean, we'll see how it does. It'll be interesting to see what the impact is. I mean, just in terms of the ship itself, though, it's certainly not overpowered or anything. I mean, we can lead there into, like, the Borodino, the other premium that yes. has recently been released, maybe less. I mean, it's it's just your tier. Like, if they sell tier 8 ships, I've been fine with that because they have done that for ages. I just wish they would have stuck to that, I suppose. But the, the Borodino itself, it seems like one of those uh, ships with an identity crisis, right? It's... I actually did a video on this not long ago, and I have to say, it, it almost feels French. It's, it's, it's something across mm -hmm. between the Dunkirk and the Champagne at Tier 8, only it, it doesn't have the same dispersion that Champagne does, where it's, um, it retains better accuracy at longer ranges. It, it's a um, battle cruiser dispersion curve, so it's just better at all ranges than standard battleship dispersion. Yeah, but like, see, this is far feel like, so they have the, the layout with the, the main guns in yeah. the front. The Dunkirk. Which, yeah. which would be pretty amazing, right, if you got close, because you can basically nose in, mm -hmm. and uh, that, that would be an advantage if you want to get close, but you don't want to get close because you're so squishy. Yeah, because because like Chardin, you, basically. Yeah. Uh, and then they slap a radar on it, a radar that's utterly useless unless you, once again, get close, right? So you have, like, those those tools that want you to get closer, but mm -hmm. then they don't let you get closer. I'll be, I'll be honest, I actually think the radar is... Uh, the only limiting factor I found on the radar is that you only get three charges with Superintendent. I've actually ended up using the radar a fair bit, because it, it's 12 kilometers and it lasts for 30 seconds, which is enough of a duration that your allies can start shooting at things as well, so... Um, it's yeah, a pretty powerful radar, yeah. Yeah, but, it, it, does, it does honestly at times feel a bit unfair when you can blap somebody un unsuspecting that might have glanced at the team list, think, oh, okay, there's not going to be any radar cruisers nearby, and then there you are, and then they get their ass blasted by everyone that can now see them. But, but it means it like you have to... To do that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you, you, you position a bit like a cruiser, right? You play it a little bit cruiser-ish, like next to an island, maybe close to the camp, so that you can go into cover if you need to. But you just don't really have the tankiness to, to, to stay yeah. too much in the front. It, it's an awkward ship to play. I mean, you couple that with the 1,060-meter turning radius, and I think it's got the sort of usual 15, 16-second, uh, not turret traverse, that would be amazing on a battleship. No, uh, rudder <laughs> shift. And uh, it makes disengaging sometimes really awkward. Because if you show any yeah. amount of broadside, it's like the champagne. But 25 millimeters of armor is an incredible liability. And the champagne maneuvers so much better. And the champagne also has a speed boost, which Borodino doesn't. Although it is still a, a pretty fast ship. So, yeah. Overall, I mean, I really like the guns, I have to say. 16-inch guns with that accuracy, yeah. even if it's a, what, 31-second reload. So it, it could be a little better on the reload, but, um, yeah, the guns are just, well, you know, chef's kiss quite a lot of the time, but the trick the rest of the time is actually staying alive <laughs> to try and use them. And if your team yeah. leaves your flank exposed or you get caught in a bad push or whatever and then you cannot maneuver 
because you'll be shown broadside and you end up having to back up and all you've got is that 25 millimeter bow between you and oblivion then things can go bad real fast especially if you get caught backing up like that as well you're an excellent target for anything with torpedoes or of course aircraft carriers as well so it's a really awkward ship to play but i kind of like it even though it's also quite challenging yeah, but, well, I mean, it depends how much you can just, like, play it as a backline sniper, then it's not so challenging, and with the yeah. accurate guns, it would work. Well, that's I... exactly what we don't want, is, like, backline sniping, so they put the radar on it to trick people into just charging in, possibly, I don't know. To be fair, they've only given it 19.6 kilometers range, which is, is, is still pretty good, but I mean, considering the ranges that you can get in with the, the tier 10 matches that you will very regularly see, isn't actually as much as it sounds like. And I don't think it's a super stealthy ship either. Let's see, concealment, 13.7, nearly 14 kilometers. So, um, it's what, five, nearly six kilometers of, um, you know, between, your surface detection and your max range, which is, isn't actually that much in the scheme of things. So being a stealthy backline sniper is is a lot of the time easier said than done in this ship, I think. I think it's probably um, a lot easier in the champagne. I'll be honest, I don't believe any ship needs more than 20 kilometer range. Unfortunately, there are quite a few that have a bit more, but it's like, you know, if you are sitting like 19 kilometers from your target, you're going to be. I mean, it but, is easier to dodge at those ranges, to be fair, for most targets, anyway. Yeah. I don't know. I just I don't speech. like the concept of the body. You know, it feels like there were some ideas just taped together that don't like... Like, it's not a complete experience. Like, the different parts of the ship don't mesh well together, right? They had a few ideas. They threw them together. They shook them a little bit, put some tape around it, balanced it on a spreadsheet, and threw it out without actually considering if the whole concept makes sense. Hmm. Uh, I don't know. To be, to be honest, the most iffy thing for me was that it, it has a radar. I would have gladly had this ship without radar, but with some other better characteristic. Because I, I feel like certain parts of it are definitely gimped just so it, it can kind of justify having that radar. Yeah, I mean, they could have made it into a better sniper, but that's also not... That would have made more sense, but it wouldn't be, like, a good addition to the game if they'd made it better at sniping, I feel like. So at least uh, in that regard, I'm happy that they haven't gone more that route. What I would have liked, but that's just me because I like brawling, I would have just made it a well-armored ship with a worse dispersion, and then with the front-facing guns, it would make a very good frontline tank, yeah. and then you can slap a radar on it that also makes sense that you can use. But I just want everything to, like, be at the front brawling side. So, <laughs> it might just Sounds be... like you need to play in the Russian server. <laughs> That's a bit of a reputation of everything just being, you know... Yeah, I'll, I mean, I've never played this, so... I couldn't <laughs> well, I, I, I should, I should, should actually try that sometime. Yeah, should we... Move on, or do we have more to tell about the Borodino? Ah, I don't think there's much more to say. Yeah. 
which would bring us to <laughs> submarines once more. Uh, yeah, there's been some balancing changes, and of course, people have had a chance to play on the test server. Although I haven't, I haven't actually bothered to get around to it yet. It's just been kind no, of a low neither. priority for me, to be honest. I mean, I've, I feel like, wait, I like I've watched other people go through the painful process yeah. of playing submarines and so I like them and their feedback because it's like, I don't know, like, we, we've, they've been working on subs for like over a year. They've had multiple tests. And after all this time, there is still no role for subs. They still don't make sense. They still don't really fit into the game. It's still the, the, the counterplay and so on is questionable. It's like, there doesn't seem to be any progress, right? They have worked on this for a year. And from the very beginning, a lot of people said, me included, that they don't make sense in the game. And well, what's your plan? And Wargaming never had a plan. Now they have uh, played around for over a year and it's clear they still don't have a plan. And now they're just, yeah, we'll do it anyway. They do seem rather determined to get these in the game, regardless of whether they actually fit or not. And I've been kind of sceptical from the very start as to whether these would fit in general battles or not. And uh, so far, that scepticism only seems to have been borne out by the various different iterations we've had. So, yeah, I honestly... I, I, if they never came into the game, I don't think we'd be missing much, to be honest. I mean, or if they did come into the game as a special, you know, their own mode or some kind of special operations only thing, would be fine. I mean, it's it's like, well, what are you going to do, right? So you start in your submarine in in the battle. What what can you do? You could like try to go into the camp with a destroyer, but it feels like you are just like the sidekick, right? The destroyer is the main protagonist, and you are just there to maybe help a little bit because, as yourself, you won't be taking this camp, right? You don't really have the tools to to do that a lot. You aren't really doing the spotting, so you aren't even helping the team that much. You need the destroyer to be your eyes. You need the destroyer to be your support and backup. And if the destroyer gets traded and runs away, all you can do is dive and hope for it to come back or retreat as well, right? You're basically just the side. The, the most thing you can probably do, or the best thing you can do is like farm battleships because they can't really do much, but then you need to use your speed, like your speed that's not so fast. Then probably 10 minutes sailing around the map and hoping to get into the enemy battleship line and then hoping that you can actually farm them in a reasonable amount of time and that they don't just move away. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's really hard to... to... to see them having any kind of effective role without massively restructuring the entire basis of the game, which is obviously not what Wargaming is doing or has ever planned to do. Subs are an entirely uh, an afterthought. We kind of have that by Wargaming's own admission that, that they were never really intended to be in the game. But they're now trying to kind of squeeze this square peg into a round hole anyway and it's 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 just not quite fitting for some reason oddly enough 
it, it, some, some days I feel like that a lot of the gameplay in World of Warships was an accident, you know. When I look at the gameplay, I see like, okay, there are different roles, like there's spotting, there is tanking. In, in, in simplest terms, it's almost like you have tanks, you have support, and you have damage dealers, right? Damage dealer just basically means if you don't do anything else, you just do damage, then, then you better be consistent, right? I mean, everybody does damage, but if you have like a cruiser that's just like long-range shooting stuff, and that's relatively a consistent way of doing damage, I suppose, unless you get, like, lol paint. Uh, but if you're, like, a, a Shimakase with torpedoes, that's oftentimes an inconsistent way of doing damage because your torpedoes, they, they require the enemy to be somewhat in range and mm-hmm. you can get zoned out and things like that. So if you want, if damage is the only thing you bring to the table, you'd better be consistent. And submarines don't have any utility aside from damage, it feels like. And they are not that great yeah. consistent. Yeah, it's 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 um it's hard to see them like they don't fit in any other role, but don't they don't have any other kind of utility to them. And um to be honest, you know, and this is just going by previous playtests rather than than the current one, but they're just kind of tedious overall. <laughs> like, all, there's a lot that could be forgiven if they were still somehow fun to play and fun to play against, but they just aren't. Also, I've just received a gift suffer. So, thank you very much to Peachy's Place for that. A gift sub on uh, Atem's channel. Yeah, thanks, Peaches. Much appreciated. So, yeah, we can also, like, take a look at it. That's also something, right? When you look at the list of changes, it just is clear just how early they are in the development process because there is a large number of sweeping changes that I've made. So, And, like, let's keep in mind, right, they haven't tested submarines and decided this is a good state and then introduced them. They've tested submarines, then announced a list of changes, then made a short PTS test for the next patch where they're being introduced. So this this is like the first time once again that the current submarines have been tested. Now there are some last minute changes on, and then they roll out in rank, which in itself is a lot of questionable because they said yeah. after the carrier rework that they won't rush this again and this time they want to do it like, you know, slowly. I mean, they're doing that by putting it on in ranked, I suppose, but it's like it feels once again just way too rushed. I mean, in terms of the amount of time they've they've taken on it so far, I mean, it, they've been in development for well, we can say years at this point. So not not rushed in that regard, but <laughs> in, in terms of they've never actually managed to find a place for them in the game, and yet they're still being brought forward anyway. I suppose, yeah, it, it, it kind of does in that way. So, I mean, what what did they change? They changed sonar ping and torpedo range. Those are just small ranges. That's that seems kind of yeah, fine. Yeah, these announced ones are just kind of tweaks, really. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the the bigger changes was like things like the torpedoes changing. That is now approximately two point five times high on average. So that's yeah, now is that is that underwater sub versus sub combat? I remember that being. I suppose really it means that it, it will be a lot harder for a sub now to dodge another sub, but it, in, in a way it has been tedious, but isn't that going to make it a lot 
number, right? It's like you ping the sub, you launch the troops, and because the subs are now a lot, you can't like with with the, diving up and down basically becomes a lot more useless in sub versus sub combat. It sounds like because troops just don't care. Yeah. So at that point, if you run into another sub and they get the torpedo off first, are you just screwed? I mean, it'll be interesting to see how that works from a kind of academic point of view. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll find that out by watching other people because I'm not gonna subject myself to this. <laughs> Probably ranked with subs. No, thank you. It's funny because there are there are loads of sub games out there. You know, it's a long, long established genre, but I don't think anyone's ever tried to put a sub game into quite this or submarines in a video game into this sort of context, this kind of arcadey context like this before. And that's, you know, I guess purely because submarines fulfilled a very, very different role in real life. We've probably talked a bunch about this. Yeah. Or that subs attacking capital ships was you know? a comparatively rare thing, and subs attacking surface warships compared to their main role of attacking transport ships is, uh, again, comparatively rare. You know, that, that reminds me, like, they, they adjust the ability range by, yeah, by other submarines, and when emitting sonar ping in a smoke. Because you were talking about, like, how this is an arcade game, like, can you imagine, like, a submarine hiding in a smoke screen, just sitting on the surface and just spamming pings and torpedoes stationary? And that's exactly what you expect when you think about submarine, right, and submarine combat. Sitting on a surface stationary in a smoke screen and spamming torpedoes. Totally. Totally. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think the consensus is we both remain deeply unconvinced this is a good idea for the game. I don't think we've had any guests on so far where we've covered subtopics that's been particularly excited about it either. Yeah, I've not met the person yet that, like, every person that likes submarines is is like, yeah, they could make a good uh, game, especially game mode, but nobody has ever been able to find how to fit in the game. Oh, we should probably move on to uh, what was our next topic going to be? Uh, classes in general, and yes, uh, that was it. I mean, it it feeds a little bit into like submarines and new class that now coming yeah, into the game of, and matchmaking kind of in general. Yeah. It's it's like World of Warships has become more diverse, definitely in a sense. So we have uh, not just like heavy and light cruisers; we now have basically super cruisers. Or however you wanna call it, like the big ones like Alaska. We have hybrids in the game, and we have also in in like regular classes like divergence when when you have like more open water gunboat destroyers and like sneak attack destroyers, and they just can't fulfill the same role. So yes, especially the ones uh, like there's a, a big divide between the destroyers that have smoke and the destroyers that don't have smoke, for example. It, it, yeah, I mean, uh, not yeah, not necessarily smoke. I'd say because a Holland can still sorta try to do. You have to be more careful, but with with the yeah. heel and yeah, you can still two camps. But there's definitely ones that have neither smoke nor good concealment that like can't really do much. But ones that you can build that way for sure. So yeah, um, basically, I I I do think there is there is. 
scope for this to have an expanded set of I don't want to call them new classes or maybe just subclasses of ships. Because at the moment we have we we've now have actual battle cruisers in the game. We like, we've argued we'll have battle cruisers since the very beginning with like the Congo. Um and the certainly the Miyogi. Um we have these kind of heavy, large gunboaty destroyers, some of which have mm-hmm. as many hit points as mid tier cruisers do. Uh we have um some sometimes destroys without smoke. We have a, a fairly big gap sometimes between um it's like, like if you look at matchmaking, you can sometimes end up with matches where you've got one side having a lot of radar cruisers and another side not having radar cruisers. So, you know, that could be its own distinct category. You've got the super cruisers, as you were saying, which kind of halfway in between uh a heavy cruiser and a battleship, almost. You've what else have you got? Um, I mean, potentially you could have distinction between uh, fleet carriers and and light carriers. I mean, the, the, there's I think some notion that wargaming might add in new lines of carriers at some point in the future, consisting at least partly of the ones they they removed from the the odd tiers. Um, I'm trying to think what else you could divvy things up by but uh, yeah i think there's a lot of scope for adding these these subclasses in that would make matchmaking potentially a lot more balanced and oh, yeah. i, I yeah. kind of almost wish we had someone from wargaming here to bounce the idea off but i can i already know that, that the answer would probably be just you know well we we might think about it in the far future but we don't want a monkey with the matchmaker too much I mean, with the, the official response, like this is not a new idea, and this is not an idea that just we have brought mm-hmm. up, right? As since like the the hybrids were the last time when it was a bit of outrage, and people are like, guys, you you need to like look at the matchmaker and warships. Yeah. Uh, and answer is always, this isn't a problem. This isn't a problem. Uh, there aren't enough uh, to care, and uh, the ships are like balanced or whatnot, and it, it, it doesn't make a difference, and so on, right? So basically. Wargaming never really acknowledged that there's a problem in the first place. And if they do, then they are like, oh, no, we, we couldn't do that because matchmaker constraints or whatnot. Like, well, wasn't it like on a Mingles with Jingles recently where Jingles said that they can balance it in World of Tanks rank, but not in yeah, random battles? Yeah, who was it that had, it was like Klaus or somebody had basically kept tabs on, was it wheeled vehicles? Because World of Tanks is treated the same way, is it like, Wheel vehicles and, and light tanks are, uh, I think, still treated as the same class. And, you know, you've, you've got your heavies and your super heavy tanks. Some heavy tanks, they're heavy tanks in name only. And there's, there's a lot, of, a lot of, of variation, but there's almost more variation in, in warships now that we have oh, things yeah. like hybrids. I mean, I, I could, like, hybrids is something where I see that right now you probably might have a problem because if you, because, like, there is just one, like, a tier six hybrid uh, battleship, right? So you can't, like, have a whole category for just one ship that would be a bit problematic yeah. to, to balance it out. But in time, that will fill, I'm, I'm yeah, sure. If there are enough of them added, but for other things like the super cruisers or, I, I mean, yeah. I think I, I definitely have, 
mooted the idea several times in the past, and I'm sure a whole lot of other people have as well. But you know, the, the idea of having some kind of tag in the matchmaker to, to even out the number of radar cruisers per team, you know, that, that that's been an idea for a long, long time. Oh yeah, or just like like if you have like a Seattle and the enemy has an Alaska, it's just not quite the same. Even though they yeah. are both classified as tier nine cruisers, I would say that one team might have the distinct advantage there. <laughs> uh, yeah, do you have to still weight it by the actual tiering of the matchmaker? I mean, if one side has an Atlanta and the other side has an Indianapolis, then that's okay. Oh yeah. You know, what What I've been thinking about, what would be, like, if Wargaming, like, it, it, I don't, well, we don't really believe their argument that the matchmaker couldn't do better or that the queue times would be so that, long. That but feels more like the stock answer of we don't want yeah. to, you know, so we're just going to give this answer. But, you know, I've been thinking about this, and there would be a very simple solution what you could do, and this is, like, add a second, uh, what do you call it, matchmaker balancing tool after the, the, the first, like when a, once a battle is found, right, and you have basically 24 players, you could out of the pool still do adjustments, right, because we've all been in games where, well, let's say one, one side has three, three Alaskas and one has three Seattle's or so, you could sweep like one, could swap one Seattle with an Alaska, unless they're division. Or if one mm. uh, team has like five freighters and the other has none, right. You could, I've been in plenty of matches where tier-wise, ship-type-wise, and division-wise, it would have worked. You could have, with that pool of players, you could have made so many more balanced matches, right? So you could easily have a tool that analyzes, like, that they could, they would find battles as quickly as right now, and then while you're loading bad, I mean, computers are pretty fast these days, right? I'm sure they could switch a few ships in a couple of seconds. I, I don't. I don't think there's any issue of, of technical feasibility whatsoever. This is purely yeah. <laughs> down to if wargaming has the 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 will to actually do it or not. Yeah, I mean, I unfortunately, feel like... it's 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 not really the kind of hot topic that's going to get a sudden overwhelming amount of public support behind it. So it's it's hard to see it ever actually coming to fruition. But you know, if we can nudge them about it enough. <laughs> Maybe, I mean, maybe someday they'll at least consider testing out some changes. If you'd at least balance, like, after you've found the match a little bit, it's, it's, it takes away their arguments, right? And then they, mm-hmm. they have to admit the real argument. I, I wonder about this. Like, I mean, one is obviously they don't feel like it's going to make them enough money to be worth the effort. Uh, but another is I feel like they have to admit that maybe not all ships are created equal in a sense, right? They'd have to actually look at this, and when they say, "Okay, you are at the if you have a Seattle instead of an Alaska, you are at a disadvantage," they might people might ask them, "But they are, you know, why why aren't they balanced, right?" And then Wargaming would have to say, "Eh, no, no, they are, they are balanced." But well, I mean, the one team might have a disadvantage, but they are, they are still balanced. That they, I don't know. It, it like, it, I feel it's like if you acknowledge that there's a problem, then you can't like put your head in the sand as much and pretend there is no longer like. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it's always been, I mean, I, I don't know how much this is a holdover from the kind of design philosophy they inherited from World of Tanks, where touching the matchmaker was 
like you know the matchmaker was always almost sacred you didn't touch the matchmaker you know the the changes that were made were very very few and far between and um like the last last big big change to the matchmaker i can think was um i can't even remember was it stretching some of the, the there used to be things there were certain lines like this is going way back but like was it medium tanks like tanks and certainly artillery they didn't go to all the way to tier 10 some of them stopped at tier 8 but the the matchmaker would have different rules for like sometimes you'd get certain tier five light tanks would get into tier ten games, for example, because they were sort of super scouts, and then they kind of regularized it all and and uh, made changes. But it was it, it's it's always been for a very long time now. You know that 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 plus two, and they've been unwilling to consider plus one, and that that's not even such a thing in one of warships. Yeah, but there's still so much scope for you know things they could do but they, they seem similarly reluctant to ever touch the matchmaker unless i mean something is drastically wrong maybe it was the artillery cap that was probably the biggest most recent change mm -hmm. to the the matchmaker and world of tanks so i don't i don't know how long ago it is you played world of tanks but there was an infamous period where there was just increasing numbers of artillery especially at high tiers and you would have literally 10 out of 12 tanks mm -hmm. per team would be artillery in, in, in kind of rare cases. And so finally they went, oh, yeah, that's a problem. Maybe we'll cap the <laughs> artillery. I, I've stopped yeah. playing World of Tanks when the personal missions came out. Okay. So that, that's probably a, a fair bit more recent than that. They, they kind of, I mean, it took them long yeah. enough to sort of regularize and equalize carriers in, in World of Warships, and um, so, you know, you don't get asymmetric carrier games anymore. But oh, yeah. still, they're still very reluctant to have a, a kind of cap of one per team. I mean, uh, when when Warships came out, you had a lot of asymmetric teams, right? One team like had three destroyers and the other had two or mm. just one and so on. Like, so they have worked a little bit on the matchmaker. Also, like, I think the most recent change in Warships was like when they made tier 8 sort of playable-ish again by having like the pure tier 10 battles at times, which mm -hmm. took quite a few tier 10s out of it. So tier 8 is now uh, able to get top tier sometimes. <laughs> but tier 7s are still pretty screwed these days, I guess. But uh, they've somewhat... What, when, was, when did they make the last matchmaker changes? Maybe a year or two ago. But they, they uh, there was a slight improvement at least. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it kind of, in some ways, it just shifted the problem around between different tiers. Yeah. And probably having the protective matchmaking at the lower tiers was a, a good good thing overall as well. But it's um, like that, 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 that we now have, like, basically pure battles where everyone is tier 10 or things like that, and they work fine. It just shows that a lot of this is possible, and that Wargaming could probably easily make a plus-minus one. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, I, that's, that's certainly at the same. I mean, for a long time, and, and again, going back to World Tanks, uh, you had people arguing that it, it would it would limit the diversity of of the lineups you would see too much. But past a certain point, there was just enough vehicles in the game that yeah. that wasn't really a, an, an argument that that held any amount of water. And that's certainly true in, in World Warships these days as well. There are more than enough ships in the game that I, I think. 
yeah, you'd have to adjust some ships to take account for plus one, minus one, but I think there's probably no real reason you could do it apart from maybe the matchmaking would have to run for slightly longer. It certainly would have a bigger impact on some servers than others. I mean, true, but you can I mean, always say, like... Hard and fast to make the rule, because there's been these suggestions of, you know, it looks for X number of seconds for a plus one yeah. game, and then if it goes beyond that, it puts you in a plus two game. Yeah, exactly. And when that's easy to fix, right, for the first 30 seconds, it just looks for a plus one game, and afterwards it, it, it accepts a plus two again, right? Yeah. And it would make it probably a lot better for a lot of ships. I'd love it if I'd even just try it on a test server. Yeah, it's... They, the, the one time they've tested it in World of Tanks, I think it was only on the Asian server for a limited period, and it was something to do with server population, and they basically had a little experiment for, like, six months. And everyone got really excited because they were like, oh, yeah, maybe they'll bring it to our servers as well. Uh, but yeah. no. Experiment but ended, and then that was that. Never got heard of again. But that that's just like so so I don't know, wargaming they'll be like, Okay, so we have this change that probably doesn't work so well when there is low server population, so let's try it somewhere where there is very low server population. Oh my god, it didn't work as well as we as as you guys I, I mean I think, that who could have predicted it. We'd we'll do that nowhere now. I, I don't know if it was much as that as I can't remember the specifics, but I think it was trying to give more same tier matchmaking for kind of mid and low tiers. Okay. And um, I think plus two was still possible, but just a lot less likely. But yeah, I I honestly I really wish they would. I really wish they would give us at least a test of plus one. But you know, might not happen in my lifetime. <laughs> I I highly like. I mean, if they had plans to do that, I could have done. I mean, you'll never know what they do. But I feel like somehow Warcoming would need to feel like they from this. I do feel like that the the tier difference is not just for players, but I feel like they think they can make some kind of profit with it in a sense. In a sense, maybe like if you if you see higher tier ships, it it or if you are forced to fight higher tier ships, it incentivizes you to get to tier ten so you can finally be top tier every time or something. Or if you, like, get destroyed by a higher tier ship, you feel like, hey, uh, I want to get that now, right? I, I want to be that person with the higher tier ship. And also it means that, like, even, like, uh, more casual players might have, like, more moments of awesome in a sense because they are just in a better ship. So they'll perform better and it makes them feel better. Obviously that's counterbalanced by the fact that they sometimes stay higher tier ship. So I'm not sure how much... It would be interesting what the psychological effects are of that matchmaker and if it actually incentivizes people to, to like get to higher tiers or not. Yeah, that's, that's a harder one because you're kind of relying on more kind of like industry ideas at that point. How, how do you specifically test that sort of thing? Because you still... You still have even a plus one you still have the opportunity to be high tier flapping lower tier vehicles and um have that kind of powerful feeling i guess yeah is what they're going for but um yeah it's 
I don't know, to me, the negatives, it always seems counterintuitive to me because of the way that the human brain works is that, that we, we can tend to process negatives or register negatives mm-hmm. more strongly than, than positives in a lot of scenarios. And so surely to, to me, it's always seemed like kind of a, uh, a backwards thing that people would think, Oh yeah, I'll get to be in that ship someday. Where my my reaction would be, well, no, surely they're more likely to be looking at the situation in that they're in right now and thinking, man, this sucks. I don't want to play this anymore because <laughs> I keep getting situations like this. I, I guess, but it would also like uh, depend on how long you've been playing this. Because if you're like a new player and you're still feeling like this is a great game, you still have a lot that you haven't seen and explored yet, right? And you don't take it maybe as seriously. You don't understand the mechanics anyway this much. I feel like you you overlook a lot of bad things early on when you start a new game, right? And the more the routine sets in and the more the, the shine comes off, the more you notice all the annoying underlying mm-hmm. things. So I feel like as a new player, maybe it would motivate you a bit more. It would give you a convenient excuse for why you lost. It's like, because I don't have this overpowered tank yet, and I just have to make it there. But I don't know. That's why I feel like if... I, I wonder if this is part of the reasoning. I wonder if there would have ever been any studies done on that, because I would find it fascinating to see if if I, there is... I just almost wonder if, if Wargaming doesn't want to do it because they might find that people do prefer it and then they'd have to actually <laughs> admit they were wrong. The intention of changing it. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they're just so settled in the current model that it was like I say, it almost seems like a kind of doctrinal thing of you must have at least plus two. I mean, way back in the day, World Attacks was plus three matchmaking, which was horrendous. It almost seems a miracle it survived to grow a large enough player base to to get to the point where they at least went down to plus two minus two. Yeah, but I feel like World of Tanks had uh, they found a pretty good niche because there wasn't really much competition. And once again, in the early days of the game, people like forgive a lot of. Yeah. Things and on and and at the same time, you know, you've had if you were that top tier tank then in the end and you could like uh arm all the others, I feel like a lot of people might have just really stuck through it because they wanted to be the top tops. They wanted to to like go and it's like especially if you face I I mean World of Tanks that the tier differences are even bigger than in World of Warships, right? So if you're like a tier ten tank and you face like a tier seven, you're kind of odd. So a lot of the average players might just have gotten like three, four, five kill games out of it just because the tank was so much more powerful. And that might be really something that at the early stages kept people like grinding. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's then almost getting into sort of philosophical discussions of how much the point of a free-to-play game is to get to the end versus the playing of the game itself kind of thing. The grind versus the end game. And, I mean, personally, to me, if it was just get to the end game, get to the tier 10s, I probably wouldn't play. You you have to enjoy the process, surely. Because if you don't enjoy the process of of 
of playing the game, then it's not like anything radically changes when you get up to tier 10. It's just those are the biggest, most powerful ships. The actual gameplay is still essentially the same. You're still sailing around, shooting at things in the same manner. So, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I agree with this. And I've always said, like, there is no rush to get to tier 10. And if you find, like, a, a ship that you like, no matter the tier, you just keep it hmm. and you keep playing it, right? Because they, it's not like the game gets magically more fun at tier 10. It's different. There are different ships. And I do personally enjoy quite a few of the higher tier ships, but it doesn't mean that the game can't be fun on our tiers or equally sometimes more fun, right? But there is, uh, I remember like one of the earlier games comes I was at and I was just talking with random players there and I remember some people like basically saying that they don't play the tier tens because there's no point because they don't get experience for anything anymore they can't do anything like f and I just be like but wouldn't it be fun and they're like no if they if there is no progress anymore then they stop playing it. so there are definitely mm. the kind of players who need some sort of progress that's why Wargame is probably adding a lot of stuff to do for tier 10s and make so many game modes and stuff uh, around the higher tiers. Yeah, they're always... I suppose that's the, the, almost the Achilles heel of any kind of online free-to-play game is they always have to be looking for some way to provide players with a sense of progression. Um, the, the, the big thing with attacks at the moment is the, they're looking at doing a... I think I mentioned this in previous podcasts, but the the the, the crew overhaul. Oh, and that's basically yeah. like it's mechanically the current crew system is fine, but uh, they're obviously looking for some way to you know something to to give players to to grind, and they've yeah. settled on crews. And well, water warships. Meanwhile, it's, it's still at a stage where they can probably keep adding ship lines for a while yet. But uh... but they gave us two more captain points and a shitload of experience with the rework, yeah. so we can have more diverse builds, more points to spend. Yeah. Oh, so... an extension of the current system rather than a yeah, but it's 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 a pretty massive grind yeah. for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it is just adding grind on top of the extra, on, on top of the, uh, the the current system. So, so yeah, we've gone a little bit off topic from the matchmaking, yeah. but I guess we the, the the point is still they should take more classes into account, and if if nothing else, they could at least balance within like the the, the game itself once it's found a match, because that would be simple. But Wargaming yeah. would have to first admit that. Maybe not all ships were created equal. Yeah. Certainly. And um, even just with the one class we know they are going to add, i.e. submarines, there's still big question marks over how much that it's going to affect like the surface ships with however oh, yeah. many slots get taken up by subs instead. Because um, even just from the experience of those late night matches where you sometimes get the wacky matchmaking of like, you know, 10 ships or seven ships per team or whatever, it can actually change things quite a lot. Or even, you know, you play ranked and it's usually far fewer ships than in a, a random game. It definitely makes for a different experience. I mean, it's, it's also like it, it might make other problems more 
uh, visible because if if they want or what what they've announced a while back, I said they they just say destroyers and submarines together will have a maximum number, right? So maximum, I don't know, from five destroyers plus subs. Mm-hmm. But if there would be no free subs, right, it means there'd only be two destroyers left. And that means if one of those destroyers or both of them are like, I don't know, Eldings that are not that great at capping, or maybe like a French Earth Clipper or something in there, that that means once again, because the destroyers are already a diverse class, but not everybody can basically do the, the scouting and capping job, it makes the problem even more prevalent because you know now in the the destroyer slot is shared with subs in a sense mm-hmm. and they certainly can't do that yeah they have actually quite different roles not that subs have any particular strong role outside of niche damage dealer but yeah no, they have explicitly ruled out adding more you know like adding separate sub slots on top of the 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 12 per team that are there already. So, yeah, who knows? Subs will be careful on the surface. No, subs need to surface for that, but subs have very limited visibility, which means they are often essentially blind. So subs need the, the other people to spot for them. And like that means they can, the, the thing is, right, as a sub, you can very easily be surprised in a sense because you, you're blind. So if you want to say, uh, like, you drive your sub into the camp and try to do the camping, then suddenly a destroyer appears and maybe farms you and you're screwed. So you might not want to do that. So that's why I said, like, as a sub, you're more like a sidekick. You you need the destroyer to spot for you, and maybe you need the destroyer to help you out, because unless a sudden battleship appears, it might just farm you. Yeah. We've drifted back to subs, really. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the, the topics are, yeah. in a sense, well, then, yeah, all the connected. Do mesh. Yeah. So. But uh, I, I think I will, uh, I should probably at least give them the feedback that they could add a matchmaker after the matchmaker to just balance yeah. out teams. I just can feel what the answer to that will be already, but uh, maybe it's uh, worth bumping it out. I have a weird feeling I might even have had it seen it suggested previously, but you know, Most possibly, possibly. I don't read all the feedback. Worth doing it again, I guess. So, shall we move on to? I guess what is really the last thing, which is the um, the new collaboration. It's an anime collaboration, but this time it's not anime girls with huge, eye-catching, prominent round features it's anime boys instead well at least the captains but the skins i actually kind of like the look of the skins i have to say i I don't know anything about this anime but i I do rather like the look of the skins now no question right i have the captains in front of me and the most left one of those pictures i couldn't tell you if that's male or female which is also an anime thing but (laughs) it possibly boy possibly not Let's, let's just say it like this. Also, what I find interesting is that it's, it's like the legend of the galactic heroes, the Neuerty. So for some reason, like the second part is in German. Anime is like, it's, it's weird. They like to throw in snippets of other languages into titles and other random places. And I don't know, because it's all like sophisticated and European or something. 
It's exotic. Germany, it's so exotic. Well, it probably is when you live in Japan. Yeah, I, yeah. I guess. Also, I just see, like, permanent camouflage rune uh, healed for August from Parsifal. So I guess there is some German in that anime. You'd, you'd like... There must be some German connection. You wouldn't call somebody Brunhild. I mean, they, they, it seems to be one of those anime where they're at least paying lip service to not all of the characters explicitly being Japanese, but then you might end up with some quite weird, um, weird sounding names that are kind oh, yeah. of almost but not quite proper sounding <laughs> names in their respective languages, like Dusty Attenborough. <laughs> it's okay. just that, that, that that's just I don't know. But that, that's definitely not a name that's that's been come up with by somebody who is actually from an English language country at all. I have no idea how Siegfried Kircheis or however that's pronounced comes across, but yeah. Um, Reinhard von Lohengram. I don't think I have all the names of the, the, those, those it, guys. It's I'm just above the, the bit with the captain portraits that has the unique voiceovers. Ah, ah, okay. Reinhard von Lohengram. Siegfried Kircheis. That's an in, I, I wonder how, like, I mean, Kirch would be almost like, like a Kirche is church, right? And ice is basically, you know, ice like ice cream. So it's, it's, I don't know. It's an interesting combination for a name, I suppose. I'm not sure if that's... If there is actually people with that name, but it sounds fun. Yeah, it, definitely. It's, 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 it's that kind of almost distinctive thing that I've noticed from the anime that I have watched. Well, a lot of the non-Japanese names just sound really weird. But yeah, the, the actual camos, I, I do, uh, I do quite oh, yeah. like them. And certainly more so than the existing spacey camos that we've had, uh, especially that Z23 camo. The, the Z23 looks pretty good. I'm not the biggest fan of the Z23, unfortunately. That's yeah, a shame because cool. I'm not really a fan of most of the ships they've chosen. But as Tom yeah, has pointed so out, now it makes sense why the Kansas is so slow when you look at that bar. <laughs> that is not a hydrodynamic, <laughs> hydrodynamic design at all. But it looks amazing. It almost makes you want to play Kansas, and then I remember <laughs> that it's Kansas. If only it wasn't the Kansas. Yeah, uh, Bo yeah. Baltimore, my Baltimore is... I don't know, I think Baltimore is the weakest of the designs, personally. Yeah, it's kind of a bit more generic looking overall. Um, that's almost closer to some of the... Um... Oh, I forget which set of spacey camos it was now, but like the, the Pensacola, for example. Uh... I think was one of the ones that had that kind of style. Where it's the kind of lighter. Yeah, they, 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 I feel like most of the other space camos are a bit sleeker. Those, those, those are a bit more ones. That's the word I was looking for, the bionic oh, yeah. space camos. 
Yeah, I mean, the Bionics are, uh, like, they don't really change the form of the ship, right? Because they can be applied to a bunch of them, I think. Yeah. They just make it look spacey. I have to say, the, the disposable camos I'm not particularly impressed by. They, they... Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't like the green uh, ones just, as much. They're not the ugliest ones, but especially that Free Planets Alliance one, that, that looks like some kind of... <laughs> hideous 1970s bathroom tile design. Yeah, I, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a fan of that one. The other one, the Galactic Empire, looks quite decent. It's I, okay. I, find it. I mean, for a disposable camo, it's okay. But yeah, I, I think that the, the set uh, 23 like wins this camo competition. But the carrier would also look pretty cool. It's just a carrier, so... <laughs> yes. Match. But that that set, it I might have to play the set just for its looks. Well, it'll be interesting to see how this does, and if we get any more of these styled camos in the future. Yeah. I'm sure people who are like this anime are probably. Uh, I mean, I haven't heard about the anime. Here. It's it's in, like we will see how the anime sells without the girls, I guess. I might have to look it up and see. Uh, See if it's about. any good or not. Of course, you also have a picture here about the loot box because they would never do like a, a call up and introduce new stuff oh, of without course, of course. stopping. Like that, there are no details yet, I think. But you know, they've stuffed it in loot boxes because hey. And obviously, the everybody's hero torpedo guy is also. And then there are some patches. I don't think people care too much about that. Yeah, the uh, patches at least look all right. But I imagine that'll be games through the uh, the boxes. And I mean, at least this this being an anime call-up again, they'll probably have actual unique voiceovers, not just the growl that you can't hear over a generic voice. So uh, yeah, yeah, that was kind of bad. Right, apparently it's on Crunchyroll, so I will watch it at some point. I'll, I'll report back <laughs> <laughs> how the anime was. It's good. So if we never hear from you again, it was either so great that you haven't stopped watching, or you couldn't take it. Yeah. <laughs> but I just had to, you know, go into hermit modes and reassess where I've gone wrong with my life. Exactly. Yeah, I I think that's about us. It's just, it's just one of our shorter ones. We're only just over it, an hour, for goodness sake. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We've we've once again only gone a little bit over the planned time. But to be fair, there wasn't there wasn't a huge amount of news this week. Yeah, talking true. about so yeah. And I mean, a lot of the news was like, like I mean, there is only so often, like we, it's it's I think the fourth time or so on the podcast we're talking about subs because they just kept being shoved in our face. And yeah. nothing ever changes, really. Not so... appreciably, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think we we can call it a night here. Thanks, everyone, for hanging out with us. And we should be back next week. Yep. Bye for me and Sam's looking on the table somewhere.
Yep, my cats are hiding somewhere, I suppose. So uh, maybe they'll also be back next week, or maybe they'll hang out everywhere. So, yeah. Thanks for watching, everyone. Bye. Bye.